Welcome to Slide, the Avalanche Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3. My name is Doug Krause, coming to you from the epicenter of a drought-ridden wasteland. If marginal skiing were the sun, I would be at its core. So pardon me if I'm a little salty this episode. I've been struggling for inspiration. There is no state of the pack. You can find archival weather and avalanche bulletins in lots of places. That's how I do it. Figure it out. I don't want to talk about it. There is a new development in the world of why are bindings such a pain in the butt? Solomon introduced the switch and the masses are salivating. And will probably continue to salivate until next season. When they can actually touch a pair. The Switch has an alpine heel, is DNFIT compatible for touring, and switches to an alpine step-in toe configuration for skiing. Cool stuff from the folks at Slab. Fingers crossed. Clear. Moving. Imagine it's a beautiful day, and you're going skiing. You and a buddy are heading out to hit this sweet couloir. You have fun on the approach and get psyched for that slot that's starting to get a whiff of sun on it. But somebody else is there. We curse spontaneously. All right, no worries. Everybody has a nice chat. It's a beautiful day. Your routes overlap, so somebody has to be patient. We come up with a quick communications plan which will fail. That's what communications plans often do. They fail. Almost nothing fails more often than communication. So one group drops, one group waits, and waits, and waits, and activates the communications plan, which fails. Weird. Now you're skiing cautiously, because it was time to go. And you hope that comms failure doesn't turn into something worse. And some snow shears off the face you're skiing, and roils into the constriction below. And we swear, spontaneously. And now you're wrapping through the crux, and the snow slams into you from above and you lose your shit and wind up battered and below. We rejoin at the scene of the the scene of the scene. It's not such a nice day anymore. Later. Dimmer. Big problem now. You're crushed at what you just did to someone and try to make it right. Then, you were crushed by what someone just did to you, and try to be slightly mollified that at least they're now trying to help. A rescue of sorts ensues, time passes, wounds start to heal, bills come due. For a while, everyone is trying to keep it right. Then, they all start to feel wronged. And it goes to court. And people are getting sued 
over what goes on in backcountry skiing. Winners and losers. Hard saying where the rest of us will come out. That is the scene of the scene. You can probably find an order of judgment from San Miguel County Court that bears some resemblance to this tale. It's just a tale. I tell tales and observe human behavior. Clear. You see that shiny thing? A subject near and dear to my heart lately is distraction recovery. What? Oh, cool. Distraction degenerates into recency bias, and next thing you know, you're chasing squirrels down avalanche paths. If you are prone to capture by sparkly things, or momentarily overwhelmed by incoming information, or spinning too many plates in your head, you might be a squirrel chaser. The first step on your road to distraction recovery is recognizing that you've been distracted. Building routine reassessment into your day, or your route, or your run, helps identify when you're straying from priorities. Stay on target. But what about short-term, like now-term, like go-time, like definitely not pausing to reassess for the next minute or five, like last step before the accident? What if something distracts you right before that happens, and you need your wits, but you've exposed them? I was up on Cerro Barnum and Bailey a bunch of years ago with a client. I spent a minute talking to him about slough management and the likelihood of triggering dry, loose snow while we skied. Then I dropped in, and it was deep and blower and awesome. And I made about three to four near overhead turns and got drilled in the back by my slough. Dry, loose snow I triggered while skiing. Yep. Twisted out of it, lost a ski, pride. Fully buried. Critical. Ski recovered the following day. Pride bounced back. But it's always hard to say with that one. Whether he learned his lesson or not. Technically, I was distracted. Really, it was stupid. But technically, I was distracted. I've been distracted in the face of other stuff with better reasons and higher consequences. When I recover, it goes unnoticed. When I don't, and shit goes awry, often the path leads back to a brief moment of inattention under circumstances where I know better. I don't have a pill to fix that. Sorry. Try Hermanita's Pharmacia in Chihuahua. They have a website. But we can try to prime ourselves to recognize distraction. If something is awesome, you are probably going to be distracted by it. If something is, oh my God, you are probably going to be distracted by that too. 
Juggling too many chainsaws? Or even kittens? Distracted. Distraction is overload. You just ran out of working memory. Which sucks. Don't confuse it with not paying attention. Hey! Don't confuse it with not paying attention. Anytime our senses or mental capacities are running full bore in one direction, or in too many directions at once, we will probably run out of attention. Attention is a limited resource. I once knew this guy who was constantly thinking himself to distraction. We called him Raymond. If you do that a lot in a day, you are going to run out of attention faster and faster until you're nothing but a dirty squirrel chaser. You can be ready for distraction. Know that you can only do a good job keeping track of a couple things at a time. The more you divide your attention, the more each component suffers or is replaced. Sometimes one is too many. No pill. But if you can learn to recognize when your attention sink begins to fill up, you can be prepared for it to spill over. You can go super pro and build in a margin. I am not slacking off nor spacing out. I am maintaining an appropriate attention margin. For safety. Just an idea. Clear. For the last couple months, I've been developing avalanche classes, and I've been thinking a lot about process. I've been developing processes to teach processes, and it's making me a little crazy because, remember, drought-ridden wasteland, not Japan. You can call it an algorithm, or a checklist, or a protocol, or a triple-high-power protocol. All those are words for lists of procedural steps. Procedure helps us remember important stuff and it trains our brain to proceed in a certain way. How clever. It becomes habit and eventually instinct. You could contrast this with the whatever dude or non-procedural approach. As it turns out, procedural terrain assessment seems pretty easy. I just developed some protocols to teach terrain assessment, and when I read them, I thought, wow, that seems pretty easy. Of course, they're lists, so they're not fun. Many of you already run through those triple high power protocols in your head when you're assessing or describing an avalanche path, knowingly or unknowingly. How do you describe an avalanche path? Well, where is it is a fine place to start. Identify the start zone, track, and run out. What's the range of aspect and slope angle in that stuff? How big is it? Vertical run and 
rough dimensions of different parts of the path? What can it do to us? Are there consequence magnifiers in that our path? Are we looking at a potential train wrecker on the D scale? Or more of a toe stubber on the wah scale? Is it really that simple? Or is there complexity to your path that demands note? Dips and seals and one-way streets with shaded vibes. Slap an avalanche problem on there and wipe it with some blue-collar risk management and you've got yourself a plan, son. You remember that list? wasn't short, but that's pretty much it. Practice it some, and it will become habit. Location, size, aspects, angles, elevations, consequences, and complexity. That's blue-collar avalanche path characterization protocol, powered by coal. For your safety. Clear! That's it, that's all. Shorty, but it was way overdue. I'm teaching pro Abbey classes for the next six weeks or so, and it's keeping me busier than a one-legged man in the proverbial ass-kicking contest. Combine that with the prominent lack of the main winter ingredient, and you can see why it's been a challenge to keep up with the podcasting. That being said, next week I'm heading out in the Great Northwestern Loop through Oregon, Idaho, and Utah. Surely there will be fodder for an impromptu diatribe or two. Our music is provided by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech. This podcast is supported by DPS Skis and the Silverton Avalanche School and a whole new crop of supporters. Calvin, Jack, Colin, Hunter, Jasper... Flatland Splitfest, Robert Spencer, Jed, Victor, Shannon, Brandon, Toby, Sandy, James, Bob, Greg, Brian J, JP, Jamie, Oliver, Hamish, Sheldor, Benjamin, Bryce, and Scott. Damn. Thank you. Pray for snow.